White, and I'd like to welcome you to the White Bikini. Joining me is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm doing great, Marie. It's good to be with you again. Today, we're going to discuss the legacy of the Cuomo family. I really started this podcast wanting to focus just on Chris, but I found it impossible not to tie it to his brother and his father, Mario Cuomo. And can they come back from what's really kind of tarnished the legacy of the Cuomos? My initial instinct is to say yes. I mean, America is a land of second, third opportunities. It is the story of the Kennedys. It's the story of the little guy who has nothing, builds himself up to great heights, falls down and comes back anew. So my instincts are that's what, that's one of the possibilities that America gives people or at least grants people. Well, I guess really why I wanted to start this podcast was because it's only been about eight months, maybe a year since everything blew up between Chris and Andrew. And part of what I wanted to discuss tonight is with all of the options to kind of go around regular broadcast news, cable news, you can just do your own thing now. You don't need all of that background noise. So I think there are two stories there. So there's the story of legacy media, which I think probably is a podcast in and of itself. And of course, there is the story of the Cuomos and Chris Cuomo's rise to essentially a primetime spot on the most reputable cable news network in the world, CNN, and of course, the subsequent fall, in addition to the scandals that surrounded his brother. So I I guess it's how you want to parse this out. I don't think uh, a a deep dive into legacy media is necessary right now. Agreed. Other than to say it's it's how people consume information for the most part, whether you're left, right, middle. But technology has been a major disruptor to the power of legacy media. So with social media in particular, people don't need to go to CNN. People don't need to go to the quote unquote most trusted news Uh, most trusted word in cable news or something to that effect. They can seek out the sources they want, which has its negatives and its positives. So having a Chris Cuomo anchor your primetime news broadcast, it's I think it's a dying institution to begin with. So him leaving the network, it may have just been a little premature, but I think the trajectory of cable news and legacy media, it's its all sort of going towards the same place of being compl- uh, decentralized and fractured even more than it is now. Five quick facts about Chris Cuomo. He was born on August 9th, 1970 in Queens, New York. He is the youngest of five children of Matilda and Mario Cuomo. As we know, his father was a Democratic politician And in 1982, when Chris was 12, Mario was elected governor of New York. 
The family moved into the governor's mansion in Albany where they remained, which I find so interesting until Mario left in 1994. That's 12 years. That's very, that's his adolescence into when he left for college. Yeah. And, and you know, Chris Cuomo also had the Sirius XM show that would come around 12 o'clock Eastern time. And so he would get into discussions about his life in that very secluded environment. But it was interesting though that I think he recognized, and maybe that was a function of his parents, he recognized that he had a very unique position in the world, but he still strove to be normal, whatever normal is for being the uh, the child of the governor. So it was a, he had an interesting experience, at least that's the way he tells the story. But I uh, think his experience versus his siblings, because Andrew, which is another interesting fact, is 13 years older. That's a significant... That's a substantial age difference. I agree. I agree. So when Andrew is uh, 10, you know, his brother's 23 years old, that's entire experiences worlds apart in terms of how they view the world. So yeah, it's, it's a significant age gap. And since his Mario Cuomo was a known workaholic, it was Andrew who was left to raise him because his father was too busy. And even when Chris left for Yale in 1988, Andrew was the one to drop him off at school. And I thought, that's terrible. But that's that old school parenting. You just kind of get someone else to do it. You, you, it's, you're right. How can I characterize this? It's the kids are almost an accessory. I don't know if that's too critical, but when you're the man of the house, when you are the governor of the state, your family takes a back seat. So the it, it's contrasting the the role of the powerful man against sort of the leave it to beaver um, image that we have in our mind of what a healthy family looks like. But the reality was that I'm sure for all the privileges that Chris had and Andrew had, they were probably very lonely moments being separated from their father and their mother. I mean, no disrespect for Mrs. Cuomo couldn't bring him. Who knew if she even drove? You know what, that's very true. Chris is a licensed attorney. He graduated from Yale and he earned a law degree from Fordham University in New York City in 1995. And I found this interesting that during that decade, he was considered one of New York's most eligible bachelors and even made People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People's List, which is, that was a big deal in the 90s, in 1997. Yeah, that was uh, the JFK junior years. Um, it's interesting, I never knew that little bit of factoid about him. You know, and he was related to JFK through marriage, not directly, but Andrew was married to John F. Kennedy Jr.'s first cousin, Curry. See, I didn't know that. Now that is rather interesting. So. I guess birds of a feather, right? And I swore there's a quote that John F. Kennedy Jr. was teasing him and said, don't worry, Chris, you're a poor man's Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, John F. Kennedy Jr. was on top of the world. John F. Kennedy Jr. was the big cheese um, in that early 1990s. He was the most eligible bachelor, not only in New York City, wouldn't you agree, like in the United States. Um, in the you know, United... He was the most handsome man to ever inhabit the earth forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> All right. I see you're holding back, but, you know, I think it would help the podcast if you're a little bit more expressive and let your feelings out a bit more in the future. No, he was he was the bee's knees. And um, the fact that he ran. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> he runs and uh, ran in similar circles with uh, with uh, or Chris Cuomo that is ran in similar circles with uh, JFK Jr. says a lot about where he stood um, in the pecking order of things. There was a lot going on in the 90s. It was a good decade. It was. Can you imagine that the most important thing not to sidetrack this conversation was how many times JFK Jr. had failed the bar? That's what people were worried about in the 1990s. I'm guilty. I went to every little magazine, read it, obsessed over it when he got married. We, we didn't have a lot of avenues to get our information. And you would wait till Friday afternoon when the new issue of Us magazine or whatever Star magazine dropped. And that's how you got this kind of gossipy information. Yeah. But and back, I could back every the, time. Yep. I was going to say back to, back to the lesson because <laughs> <laughs> we will get sidetracked talking about getting nostalgic. So let's go back to the Cuomo's. He's 100% Italian. I love that fact. And I never knew he was hit by an IED in Iraq. Yeah, he was a field correspondent. Was this for Fox or was this when he was with CNN? Does it he do went, recall? No, he went as a correspondent for ABC News ABC in 2007. News, yeah. When he was there, he accompanied the U.S. Army's 410th military police company, on a routine patrol while they were training Iraqi forces. And I give him credit for who he is. And currently, as we both know, he went to Ukraine. Chris Cuomo doesn't have to do that. He has enough money. He has a beautiful wife. He has beautiful children. But I do give him credit. He's not overboard with it, but he does put himself in harm's way to get the story. And I do respect that about him. No, I, I think there's a certain amount of authenticity and it's, probably one of the top two, three words that comes across it during most of our conversations on these podcasts. It's that it's a question of authenticity. Does he appear to be authentically conveying the information as he sees it, as he experienced it using the best available facts? And so that sometimes requires a correspondent to be on location, to be in harm's way. You know, I not to get sidetracked once again, but I think about Laura Logan uh, in Tahrir Square in Egypt during their revolution and, you know, the horrors that she experienced. Being a, being a reporter is dangerous. I mean, in the United States, we don't necessarily think about reporters being targeted and killed. But throughout the developing world, even, you know, in places that we consider modern and developed, reporters are targeted by their governments, by institutions that they expose by criminal organizations. So the idea of a reporter simply reading the news, it's actually much deeper than that. You know, these people put themselves in harm's way to make a record of human events. And and I know I make that sound perhaps a little too noble, but I, I, I do believe some of them actually aspire to that standard. What do you think? I 100% agree. And there's a lot of people, you know, we go back to Sean Penn, so many people that do Christine Amapur, they go into harm's way. And I do believe that they probably could get out of the assignment if they wanted to. And I give them credit for their bravery. Listen, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of young correspondents out there, fresh out of school, that would leap at the opportunity. You know, when 21, 22 years old, you don't know what danger is. And so you're right. I, I think the idea that these people have sort of proven their worth, demonstrated their mettle, and they're still willing to go to the scene. They're, you know, I don't want to ele ele necessarily elevate reporters 
broadly speaking, to first responders. But there are a few instances where you have these individuals who are brave and cool-headed, level-minded enough that they can actually convey the horrors of a situation, whether it's a natural event or a man-made disaster, war, what have you. And that's important. The world needs to know. Otherwise, crime bosses, repressive governments do horrible things to people and no one will ever find out about it. So it's an honorable profession. I give him credit. As I said, coming from his background, it's something he could skip, but he did go to Iraq. He has been in Ukraine. Uh, The first interview for his new podcast, Free Agent, was Sean Penn, and they spent time together in Ukraine. And it's, you know, that I'm a big Sean Penn fan, but these are two men that don't have to do that. And I give them credit. They do have children. They, They are putting a lot out there, but I do believe that they want to make the world a better place. You know, it's the Bo Biden versus Hunter Biden path um, to make it a little bit more relevant to what's going on. You have Bo Biden served this country honorably, died way too young. And then you have Hunter Biden, who seems to be the one who did everything wrong and somehow landed on his feet. So you you do make a, a good point that Chris had opportunities. Chris could have just simply gone down the legal professional path you know, put himself in a position, he's now what, 52 years old? At 52 years old, you know, with 15, 20 years experience as a lawyer, I mean, in New York City with that name, you you know, you're looking at a guy that could be making two, three, four, five million dollars a year easily, just leveraging that Cuomo name. So I think there is some credit due to him. Chris married his wife, Christina, in 2000. And they have three children, Bella, Mario, and Carolina, who Chris often refers to as his jewels. And in a segment for CNN, The Person Who's Changed My Life, Chris described the fear he had in his relationship with his own father. And I thought this was very sweet. His son helped change his intense and insistent attitude to make him a more successful parent. I've heard him interviewed And he would admit that he was to the point of bullying his son to make his son exactly how he is. Yeah. And his son fought back. Chris is an intense guy. I mean, it's funny. I I have to be honest. Like, so my my main uh, intake of Chris Cuomo uh, and his personality was really primarily through the SiriusXM show that he did. Not so much the CNN show, because I think that that was produced and polished and shiny. Uh, the, the show that he did on satellite radio was essentially him and a producer. And so he could be a little bit more authentic. He could let his hair down a little bit. And you could see that he's a guy that struggles a lot with his image. And I think not to get into like ethnic stereotyping, I think he aspired to some of those um, stereotypical Italian uh, ideals. Agreed. The tough guy, the, you know, if you mess with me, you know, say something about my mom, I'm going to knock your teeth out. But on the other hand, he's actually fairly a fairly enlightened, nuanced thinker. He sees the, the world in greater shades of gray than a lot of other people. And so there's this internal struggle that you can see within him where there is this sort of like machismo archetype versus this more nuanced, sophisticated thinker. And it must create this really, it must be a form of torment for him. I agree. you can see, like, he's a guy that works out and takes care of himself because he believes in being tough. He believes in um, knocking people out. You know, that's the way he expresses himself. 
But at the same time, he knows the limits of that kind of thinking, and he knows the limits of that kind of expression. And to bring children into the world in this generation, you know, his kids are Gen Zers.、Um, they're not going to necessarily put up with that kind of thinking. And to bring bring up young boys into stereotypical male roles in terms of how to behave and especially how to treat women, if that's the way you're raising your sons, you're setting them up for failure because that's not the way the world works. You know, we were just talking、uh, offline the other day about you know Jimmy Fallon and. SNL and Horatio Sands and the lawsuit that、um, the group of them are now facing, and that that was a world in which guys kind of felt like if there was a pretty girl in a party and you got her drunk and you did something to her, well, you know, she was probably responsible for it as much as anybody else. That's not the way the world works anymore, and so that's just a little sample of, I think, the struggle that a guy like Chris Cuomo must be dealing with because. At 50 years old, he's older, but he's not old. You know, he can remember the way the world was, but unless he is completely stubborn, he has to be aware of the aware of the way the world is and will be in the future. And his son really helped him change his attitude. And I do think the one thing I've noticed about Chris on his current podcast, I think COVID knocked the wind out of him. Literally and figuratively, right? He was very sick. Along with his wife and his son Mario, they all three got COVID. But I feel like Chris got it very bad, and I think it humbled him a little. Yeah, I don't sense that manic energy. It seems much more focused, and I think it's better for him. Yeah, it's interesting. You use manic energy for me. It was a kind of anger that he had, and、um, you know, it's very easy to dismiss someone like Chris Cuomo, who was. Let's face it. Was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. You know, when you're the son of the governor of New York State, you have a lot of advantages. But I think it came with proving himself. And I think the the greatest struggle that we have as human beings is the struggle that we have with ourselves—to love ourselves, to care for ourselves, to feel actualized with who we are as human beings. And I and I get the sense that Chris Cuomo struggled with that. Where on the other hand. I don't think his brother Andrew necessarily did, or if he does, it's a very, it's a very suppressed part of his personality. I think Andrew embraced everything that was sort of that stereotypical Italian、um, mentality. He leaned into that, whereas I think Chris was caught. Perhaps a gen- it's a generational thing where he couldn't lean into it the way that I think Andrew did, which ultimately led to Andrew's downfall. And Chris's older siblings are all very successful. One of his sisters is a doctor. His other sister is married to Kenneth Cole, so I think there's a lot of you're kind of always punching above your weight, and nothing you do is right. As I'm the youngest of the same era, and your brother was governor, so and so is your dad. <laughs> no, that that creates、um, you know, that baby syndrome. You know, we often talk about the middle child syndrome, but sometimes the baby syndrome, the the last one in the family, the one. Who, especially when your older siblings have already established themselves and proven themselves and become names in and of themselves, and you're the baby and you're struggling for your identity and your self worth, it's a tough place to be. Especially with people like my, as you know, my older siblings are nine and ten years older than me, and they're pretty much perfect and do nothing wrong. And for me, it's always kind of not now, but always trying to prove myself that I could do things as good as them. And guess what? I'm okay with it now. I can't. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. I think Chris is morphing. He's maturing. Yeah, I mean, and also you just have to learn to recognize that you you perhaps have a different path in life.、Um, you know, when that the ten year gap. Let's think of it in terms of the millennium. 
And that was a major pivot point in society and culture. Not to even, you know, before we even get into the whole 9-11 thing and the rise of the national security state and all that, that was a major inflection point in Western history. Agreed. The way things, the way things were prior to 2000 were a little simpler, a little bit more understandable. The world was more predictable. You could basically just carve your path through life and set your destination. And, you know, people still had pensions and they had the 20 year plan and the golden watch. By the time Chris came of age, that reality had shifted. And so, you know, in a weird way, even though you have more resources and access, life becomes more difficult because I think there is a geometric increase with the challenges that comes about when you have access to more opportunities. So it's kind of this weird paradox that comes about where you have more opportunities, more freedoms, but because you have more opportunities, more freedoms, life essentially actually gets a little bit more difficult, a little bit more complicated. I 100% agree. And I think that's what he's experiencing. Yeah, and I sense I, that. And I, I'm a big fan of his current podcast, but I'm getting ahead of the, the podcast. As we know, in 2021, more came out about Chris and his relationship with Andrew, more in terms of what Chris was doing behind the scenes to undermine the people that were accusing Andrew of sexual harassment. And at that point, CNN did let him go, which I felt was rather abruptly. I disagree. We've gone through Harvey Weinstein. We've gone through Bill Cosby. The reason I disagree is because Chris was very clear that all of the higher ups in CNN knew what he was doing and allowed it. And now the time has gone on. There was a lot more shenanigans going on at CNN well past Chris and Andrew Cuomo. And I think Chris just became the fall guy. So we're going to agree to disagree and do not fight me about the Cuomos. I agree. He he was the fall guy, but it's almost like, you know, those old 1980s movies where the young kid in the gang is left with the gun when the cops shows up. (laughs) You know, that that, that movie, that trope that was very common in like 80s, like, you know, young delinquent movies. I think it's the same idea. At the end of the day, Chris wasn't necessarily, wasn't a a child. Um, He knew what he was doing. And I think if he were advising someone, if he were giving legal, legal advice to a client doing what he did for his brother, I think he would have recognized the jeopardy that came about with those sets of actions. So I am standing my position. I think, yes, there was a political assessment made at CNN and Chris Cuomo's made the fall guy. I absolutely agree. But once again, you know, come back to the idea that two things can be true at the same time. But I think he was responsible ultimately for his actions and his actions put him in a place to get fired. And I think CNN did the right thing. Did they do the right thing for the right reasons? No, but they ultimately did the right thing. Well, who's falling apart now? Not Chris Cuomo. To be determined. To be determined, my friend. TBD. You know, in the moment of it, I was so worried about my brother and what this would mean for my family, uh, how it reflects on my father uh, and his legacy, that I didn't really see what was coming my way. Uh, Had I been advising you in the same situation, uh, I would have been a lot more protective of you than I was of myself. And that's okay. Uh, Ultimately, everything has to be okay. And again, I'm not a novice. You know, I grew up 
having people liking and disliking my father, my mother, me, for good and bad reasons. So, you know, I have a little bit more experience uh, in going through something like this than most would, but that said, um, it has been very difficult and it made me rethink things that I haven't really touched in years, years and years about myself, about why I'm here, about what I'm supposed to be doing and not doing. I'm telling you, you keep using the word heavy, but it's heavy, it's heavy. And I, I hope it's not something I would want people to go through, but you gotta take what life brings at you. That's what I'm doing. Chris laid low for about six to eight months and his current podcast, which I listen to, I enjoy. He's all about being a free agent now and he can be clear to be who he wants to be. Did you listen to the podcast at all? I've listened to a couple of the podcasts, his new show. Um, it's it's not too dissimilar from his radio show that I enjoyed, but on the whole, I you know one of the things that's going on in my life, um, if you care to know, um, I kind of put myself on a media diet. There are things happening in the world, and the reality is one of the things I've learned to appreciate is that whether I know all the nuances of everything taking place in the world won't affect the outcome of those things taking place in the world. So I just happen to be in a place in my life where I'm not as media conscious as I once was. But yes, I, I, I'm familiar with the format and I'm familiar with the content that he's putting out there. And it's it's authentically Chris, as I think I said, you know, not too long ago. I listened to, uh, I listened to every episode, but the first episode he did address what happened at CNN. He admitted some behavior that was his fault. He felt bad, which I can't imagine that he literally just disappeared and never had a chance to say thank you to his team. He wanted to let them know how talented they were, how hard they worked. So I thought it must have been hard to carry that weight all of those months. But the one thing that actually brought a tear to my eye, I probably should have you pay, played a clip from it this evening, is that before his father died, his father made him promise that he would always take care and help Andrew. And he said, I kept my promise to my father. And I know that I'm very sensitive, I'm a sucker, but I was like, wow, I, I can kind of understand what happened. I think Chris regrets his behavior, but I'm happy that he has a new format that I think he's an important voice that we need right now. I think Chris is definitely one of the more responsible individuals out there. And I think you're right. I think he is an important voice and I think he has something to say that's meaningful to America. I'll give you an example. So in the last year and a half since Biden has been in power, uh, Joe Manchin has been the bane of the Democrats' existence. And if you're a progressive like myself, you go, you're thinking, oh my God, this guy is going to completely scuttle everything that Joe Biden has been fighting to do for America. And I remember Chris Cuomo standing up to defend Joe Manchin and said, you know, people, you really don't get it. What Joe Manchin is doing is actually kind of genius. You may not see it because you're just looking at the individual play-by-play -play moments, but you're not seeing the big picture. And it turned out Chris Cuomo is right. Because in the end, who saved the Biden agenda? It was Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin pulled a fast one on Mitch McConnell, completely outmaneuvered the Republicans, and was able to get a once-in-a-lifetime piece of legislation passed that will have major impacts on the environment, major impact on the middle class. And if I'd gone with my initial instinct and the sort of the play-by-play -play chicken head, you know, assessment of the news, I would have thought Joe Manchin was setting up Joe Biden for failure. But it turned out 
Joe Manchin had the last laugh. Joe Manchin was playing the long game. And Chris Cuomo defended Joe Manchin and defended his character. And I think I will always remember that because I got it wrong. Listen, I'm not putting up Joe Manchin on a pedestal. I think Joe Manchin is a conservative Democrat, probably one of the last five of them left in the country. But in terms of the man's integrity, which I started to question, I remember Chris Cuomo defending him, defending him to the most liberal, progressive voices in the media. And so I think there's something to be said. Like, I think deep down, Chris Cuomo does have an authentic understanding of people. I think he does strive to get to the core of what motivates people. And I think he tries to do the right thing for the right reasons. I agree. And I guess when we started, what I what I was trying to get at, which you might be right as another podcast, I think three or four years ago, Chris would have disappeared. But I think now with the onset of the pandemic and podcasting, there's so many other opportunities to get your message out there where I think three years ago, he would have just disappeared. I think also the idea of cancel culture has been highly oversold. The reality is that most of the people who have been quote unquote canceled were actually responsible for some heinous things. And they actually deserve to be removed from honorable society. In most instances, the people who were canceled they kind of went away, society gave them a timeout, but then they came back and remade themselves. I mean, think all the way back to, you remember the whole uh, Paul Rubens scandal, the Pee Wee Herman scandals, you know, you know that, was donkey, that was donkey years ago, but think about it. Like Pee Wee Herman came back, Paul Rubens came back, made movies, and the world moved on. I think, there, I think the whole idea, and perhaps we can even add this to another uh, podcast title, that the whole idea behind cancer culture. I, I really do believe that the right got a hold of it to defend people in particular that were doing some heinously racist, sexist, and criminal things. And they politicized it very effectively so that when anybody got their hands slapped, when anyone got caught doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, and then appropriate measures were taken to censure or penalize those people, Everyone, you know, started panicking and screaming, cancel culture, cancel culture. So CNN did what they had to do. I know you disagree with me on that. But I also think that the world works, especially in the United States, with second and third, fourth chances. I still think he's going to end back up on an MSNBC and possibly another year down the road back on CNN. It's entirely possible. I mean, look at... Um, uh, what's the guy from Fox? Bill O'Reilly? Bill O'Reilly, thank you. Bill O'Reilly was caught doing some really heinous things to women. But Chris wasn't. I understand that, but the point being is Bill O'Reilly's back. Bill Granted, he's not at the same level as anchoring the primetime broadcast on Fox News, but he's back. And I think what Chris did, to my mind, wasn't right, but it certainly wasn't as bad as what Bill O'Reilly did. I think he's going to make a comeback and I'm happy that he does have this other avenue, whether it be podcasting, another TV show. I don't think we've heard the end of Chris Cuomo. And Marie, could you please tell us who this week's sponsor is? This week's sponsor, it is the end of summer. It is getting wrapped up. So please stop at the Springfield Alehouse Delco, especially on Sundays. They have the best drinks the best appetizers. It's on Sprawl Road in Springfield, Delaware County. And please ask for Kelly. Thank you for joining us today on The White Bikini. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye.